Welcome back to another episode of the Adam Schefter Podcast, where in this week's episode, I share two incredibly personal texts that I received during and after the conclusion of week one that you will not want to miss, which will come at the end of our interviews. And on those interviews, we will start today with my colleague, my partner, Chris Mortensen, who I've spent 13 years working at ESPN with, and I would not be where I am today without him. And then we'll be joined by the Carolina Panthers free safety, the great young player, the former second round draft pick, Jeremy Chin, as the Panthers get ready to play the New Orleans Saints, who are dealing with a little bit of an outbreak of COVID on their own these days. And as we look back to week one, what I could tell you is the joy that I and others experienced from watching week one was overwhelming, palpable. Like you could just feel it watching the games all come on the screen and you're thinking, oh yeah, 20 more weeks of this. This is how to spend a Sunday. This is what we love to do. Now I happen to be in the South Street Seaport ESPN studios around my colleagues, which I didn't get to do last year. And Chris Mortensen and I are going to have some comments in that area. But to watch all these games unfold, it was sensory overload and it was lovely and it was missed. Now, the other part that was troubling about week one, and I think this was the case for a lot of different people. You sit down, you love watching the games, you're tracking your fantasy results. It's just tremendous. You want to see your guys. The problem was it was hard to track some of these guys with the new NFL rule changing numbers. All of a sudden you're watching Sterling Shepard, who is number three when he used to be number 87 or Mohamed Sanu, who's now number six or Hollywood Brown, who went from number 15 to number five or Deshaun Jackson, 10 to one. Chase Edmonds is wearing number two. DJ Moore's wearing number two from number 12. It was hard to figure out in many cases who was who and who was wearing what number. And it's going to take a little while to sort out. Now I have a certain idea of what Tom Brady was talking about. Now I understand what some of these veteran quarterbacks knew well before I sat down to watch week one. It's hard to figure out who's wearing what number, where they are, what their tendencies are. That was a troubling aspect of week one, and I'm sure we'll all get used to it over time. But as you're absorbing the idea of watching all these football games, you're trying to process who is wearing what number, because that was very hard to figure out in week one. All right. There are many topics to get to in week one, and we're going to start with them with the guy that has worked at my side for 13 seasons, a man I have tremendous respect for, a man that if they were building a Mount Rushmore of ESPN talents and personalities, he would belong. Chris Mortensen. Well, look who it is. The guy who, as I was sitting there doing the pregame show Sunday, NFL Sunday Countdown on ESPN, I was sitting there, Mort, and I was thinking to myself, wow, this is season 13 that we've worked together. And I believe you've been at ESPN since what, 1992, if my memory serves me correctly? 90, 90, 91. Uh, 91. I've been there since 91. So I think this is the start of my 32nd or 31st year. I, I, I Yeah. I mean, yeah. But, but yeah, my first year was 91. 91. I started covering the NFL for the Rocky Mountain News back in 1990. But as I sat there Sunday, I thought to myself, wow, here we go again. 
week one, day one, but year 13 with more. And I thought about those 13 years together. And I said to myself, that's a lot of shows, a lot of time, a lot of memories, a lot of information, a lot of calls, a lot of texts, a lot of laughs, a lot of everything. So as much as anything else, I wanted to express that in a tweet and I wanted to express it in the podcast to thank you, because if it's not for you, I'm not working where I am today without you endorsing it. Well, I don't believe that's necessarily true, but I will say this. It's been a lot of fun. I think some of the fun things that we have is is just, you know, yeah, laughing together, but also the amount of information I think we both have. And it's always some of the things you can't report or can't tell yet, or it's still simmering. <laughs> That are always the most interesting uh, from a reporting journalistic standpoint. From a, a fraternity standpoint, yeah, I mean, listen, you, I mean, I'm, I'm proud of you. I mean, I, I realize you, you've been at it a long time. I've been at it a long time, but it's just, I've always said I'm really proud of just how you've come to ESPN, embraced it, treated people the right way, and done your job at the very highest level uh, to me as well as it's ever been done. And, uh, and then at the same time, you know, all the fun. Now I'll say this, you know, and we couldn't control it, but the pandemic, you know, kind of like uh, really kind of put a damper on things. Last year, we were separated, certainly because of, uh, you know, the pandemic. And, and this year, we're also separated in part because of, of, of the Delta variant and pandemic and some of the logistics we're going through. So I miss, like, I miss Sunday, you not being in the viewing room with, with, with me and, and others. Now, I was in the viewing room. This time for the first time in the year. And I did have Boomer there, uh, Chris Berman, getting ready for prime time. I was the loudest man in the room uh, or woman. Didn't matter. Uh, I had fun. And uh, and uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's just yeah, and here we are with another NFL season. And I was looking forward to it as much as any, any of the other NFL seasons that uh, we have covered. Well, I got a text in the middle of the first games on Sunday from Field Yates saying that Mort and Boomer are back together in the war room. Everything in the world is right because nobody <laughs> gets after Boomer in the war room more than Mort does. Nobody has more fun. If I can even tell this story, one of my favorite stories, Matthew Berry yeah. gets hired as ESPN's fantasy expert, shows up <laughs> yeah. for his first day of work at the war room, walks up to the front of the room and says, where do I sit? And Mort, points to Chris Berman's chair and he says, just sit over there, Matthew. And Chris Berman always was notoriously the last one to arrive to watch the game. That's right. Because he was finishing up Sunday countdown. He'd have to make his way from the studio over to where the war room was. And so on this particular day, Matthew Berry's first day of work as Chris Berman's walking into the war room for his usual seat. Nobody likes his seat more than Chris Berman likes his seat. He sees one Matthew Berry <laughs> sitting in his seat. And Chris Berman uh, uh, says, uh, uh, I think you're in the wrong chair, right? And thus was birth Matthew Berry's team name for our War Room Fantasy League. Matthew Berry's fancy team name is now the wrong chair. That's, that's the yes. name of his team because he was always sitting in the wrong chair. And he was sitting in the wrong chair because of my friend, my colleague, my partner, Chris Mortensen, directed him to sit there, which is typical of the hijinks that has gone on in that room, which is back this year. And you know what, Mort? On Monday night, I was in Las Vegas for the Monday night game between the Ravens and the Raiders. And last year, we didn't travel to the Monday night games. We did all the Monday night shows from the South Street Seaport Studios. And it was amazing to be 
around all the behind the scenes people for ESPN, the sound yes. people, the production people, the headphone people. There were so many faces you hadn't seen. And then to be on the field and see a bunch of the faces, it was, it really was, it felt different and welcome and warm. And I can't, I, but it's exactly what you're describing on Sunday at ESPN being in that war room again after not being in the war room from 2020. I've never underestimated the value of relationships and friendships. And that's what happens over the years. And even people that you, know, you work with, you may not even have a deep relationship, but you know, and you know they do their well, job well to try and make us look good, uh, which they tough struggle for, for me. Uh, it's a tough challenge for them trying to get me to look good. But yeah, we, but it, it's, it's just relationships. Even going to Canton, Ohio this year, uh, and it, you know, that's a small ESPN telecast, but it was just seeing people again. And, you know, going to Peyton Manning's host enshrinement party and, and seeing so many people, being able to interact. Uh, and, and it's, uh, listen, the, the phone and texting, those things are all necessary tools, but there's no better tool than that of being with somebody live, in person, and also feeling the energy and the uh, anticipation of something that we do, that we love to do, uh, that's about to happen or is happening. And I would do what we want to say one thing about Boomer uh, in the war room. I probably <laughs> did come in because it's been a while. I wasn't there last year. I yeah. probably came a little bit rough on him this year. So, yeah, I, yeah. I'm not going to apologize to him, but I'll probably <laughs> just tone it down just a little bit for him because he's actually trying. You got to actually do a 45 minute nonstop primetime show, you know, from seven to seven forty five Eastern. That is remarkable. And and when you watch it, it's still like the best. Highlight man ever, and, and 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 yet he's trying to work, and I'm sitting there terrorizing him a little bit. In what way? What was the biggest way you terrorized him this past weekend? What did you get after him over? You no, know, just oh, all his teams. You know, he's he started off with one or two teams that he did. You know, then he went up to ten. Now he's that back to six. But like you know, we know you know. Did you talk to Andy Reid this week? Like you know, when they fell behind. You know? So so in essence, blaming you, Boomer calling Andy Reid once again on a Thursday night uh, at 10 o'clock. Yeah, and that's the reason that the Chiefs are struggling. You know, on Monday night, we talk about the people and the relationships. On Monday night, I walked into the ESPN production truck, and there was Maureen and Renee, the two makeup women that right. kind of take the shine off our faces before we go on air. I hadn't had a makeup woman in my presence in a year and a half. Now, a lot of people said makeup. Well, that, that's part of what we do is you're, you're talking about getting yourself prettied up for TV, presentable. We try to all get presentable, right? And so I was not expecting to see them. I'm like, Maureen, Renee, like it was shocking to me that they were there in person. I couldn't believe yeah. it. And I was so happy to see them. Yeah, you know, and in Bristol, I got to tell you, there are none there. You know, I know. And, and it's, it's kind of, that's because it's really been 18 months, or I'm estimating, since I'd been in that building. And, and it's kind of like, yeah, there was something missing in the building, the present, the building itself, the viewing room. In other words, that's after we do countdown. We go to another room, conference room, and we watch the games on, you know, on several TVs and big screens. Uh, but in terms of the uh, logistics of what we normally go through in Bristol, and you're not there, you're in New York. Uh, it just was, uh, yeah, I mean, I, there was a, there's a little piece of me that was pretty sad about not seeing some of those people. But, 
Yeah, I know what you mean because I did get to see uh, you know Maureen, or one of our makeup people, uh, in at Canton at the Hall of Fame, and that was a that was a pleasant surprise. And getting me to kind of look semi good on TV, much again, a much greater challenge than you, Shafty. So you, this was your first weekend in ESPN in eighteen months. This past weekend, more. Uh, that's what I've been estimated as, and maybe it was longer than that. Uh, yeah, it was. It, I'll, I'll say eighteen uh, months to, to round it off. Just figure out whatever the uh, two March. weeks before the Super Bowl. Oh, was I there? No, I wasn't. Was no, I no, there Jan- 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 January of 2020 would have been the last time that you were in Bristol. Yeah, that's correct. And that, that was very odd. It was very odd. And it was an odd, you know, the other thing, and, and, and this is not, and I'm not complaining. It's just the facts of, of where we are with this uh, pandemic and the Delta variant. Uh, I got to admit, like yesterday, I, I figured out my hours clocked from having to wear a mask from the moment you enter the building at ESPN, the only time it didn't wear a mask is when you're on air, you yep. know, right up to when you're on. And, and then, and then hustling to the airport. And then, you know, as you know, you wear a mask at the airports and you know, ca- catching two flights and, you know, running to catch your connection. I, I feel I was masked up about 17 hours yesterday and I didn't like it. I, it was like, wow, you know, you, you know, it, it was, uh, even that's different. Oh, so, but, but as you know, necessary at this point, you know, I flew to Vegas this weekend and when I got back, yeah, you, I, how, how, the, how that trip go, how that Wi-Fi come through for you? And the, you saw the game, didn't you? <laughs> you, you were, were able right. to watch the game, right? Uh, Seth, did Seth Markman, our fearless leader, tell you about that on Sunday night? Uh, no, I think you did. Well, I got on I the you flight. and I had a text or phone. Yeah. At, at the risk of sounding like Ed Werder, I got on the Delta flight on Sunday <laughs> night and had no Wi-Fi. Had no TV, could not watch the Rams-Bears game at all. Kept trying to sign on. The one time I did connect to Wi-Fi, my company credit card, my company-issued credit card was declined, which got me all worked up because, well, there's a whole host of issues over that. But right. I, I, so I couldn't watch anything, so I just I basically went to sleep. It was late, been up all night. Well, probably the most sleep you've had in, a, in, in the 13 years you've been at ESPN. Well, you know what? The problem was we got into Vegas about one thirty in the morning, East Coast time. And then you go to your room and being that you slept on the plane for a couple of hours, you can't fall right. asleep. So I was up all night then going into Monday. And then we go to the Monday night game. You see all the people. That's the great part because it lifts up your spirit and energy. Right. And you see the Raiders people and the Ravens people and some of the players and get to talk to some of them. Had a nice chat with Max Crosby before the game. Devonta Freeman oh, came over. Oh, what a game! What a game Max had, huh? Yeah, wow. He, he, yeah, he, he played great. Hey, by the way, as far as all that uh, not having Wi-Fi and, and no TV and all that stuff, you know, uh, the majority of the people listening to this podcast, they really don't care. Yeah, I know. I know. Well, what I was going to say, where I was going with that, I know they don't give a crap about that. Nobody cares. And I, you know what? It's the way it goes. But we talk about traveling again and being masked up. And I was yes. also masked up the entire way, but my wife won't let me back in the house until I get COVID tested when I'm out on the road like that for a couple of days. Well, there's so, a bonus. To, there's a bonus to everything. <laughs> so what did I do first thing Tuesday morning after getting off a red eye? Go to get a rapid yeah. test that came back negative. And I texted it to my wife and said, I think I showed her the test result, the picture. I said, I think I'm pregnant. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, can I come home now? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Am I allowed That's to funny. come in and see our children and dogs? Like, am I yes. clear now? Am I in the clear here? 
So that was uh, my first week. And by the way, that will be a weekly ritual getting off the plane from Monday Night Football, Monday Night Countdown yeah. on Tuesday and getting, and you know, listen, she's a type I understand one diabetic. That. Yeah, me yes. too. It, she, it's, it's, it's completely reasonable. I told it to one of our bosses and he's like, she's like making you do that. I said, yeah, he found it hard to believe, but that's the way of the world. And that's how we're living yeah. right now. Yeah, it's exactly right. No, so that's that's what it is. But I, but the main thing is that it was it was it was fun to have fans in the stands, as you know, you you got to experience that uh, yeah. in person certainly. But you could feel it all around the league. And uh, I know there, and I have friends out there say, "Man, this this could be a disaster. We could end up with super spreaders." And I don't know what we're going to end up. I just know that uh, you know some things. If you're vaccinated, I'm triple vaccinated by the way. You know, I I got my booster shot like a month ago. Because I was very early vaccinated in January with Pfizer, uh, but you know, I think the stadiums. Listen, I, it was good to have people out there. I think there's, you know, listen. Hopefully they're vaccinated. Hopefully they they do the right things when they're asked to do the right things, and uh, and that we don't have any. You know, the idea of being vaccinated, as you know, is you're you're going to try and avoid being, you know, uh, you know in a hospital, you, you know, critically ill. I mean, you know, we're, we're hoping it does become like a, a, it might be a bad cold. Uh, but the thing about it is, is it's, a, a, you know, I'm, in, I'm interested to see if we get any any stories back from these stadiums that says, oh, man, we, you know, we actually had a super spreader event. Uh, I don't think we will. And I hope we don't. But uh, but, you know, I can certainly understand Sherry uh, you know, with her condition asking you to get a test. Uh, my wife Mickey did not ask me to get a test. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's, that's, you know, what, what can I say? That's because essentially we've got um, somebody who loves you and wants to be around you. She she needs to have you there. She doesn't she, she want to send you out to get. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Yeah, we better get off this path, this road, because you're going to end up. You're going to end up in a bigger doghouse with 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 all your. How many you got now? Four? Is it still four? It's uh, five dogs now, Mort. Five. five. Okay, well, They'll be making a little six bed for you rather than sleeping in the king size bed with you and Sherry. How about that? By the way, as we're doing this, I just got a text on the Saints. Here's the breakdown of the positive test results from the Saints organization per source. Per source. Why not per sources? Get another source so we can. That's your team name in our uh, war room. Link, and so. I try. Yeah, no, but I trust this source more. Eight total cases, six offensive coaches, one nutritionist, one player. But they said we'll be just fine, right? Correct. We're tweeting right now. So just as we're talking about what the possible effects could be, there it is in New Orleans, eight total cases as they get ready to play the Carolina Panthers. But as you pointed out, as one Saints official told me this morning, we'll be just fine. Yeah, well, listen, we'll see. You know, COVID is going to – Listen, what we went through last year, we're going to have more of that this year. But they have different protocols. Uh, you know, I can see protocols being revised. I think some probably need to be revised. But if you're vaccinated, which all staff members and coaches are, uh, basically, then it's a matter of okay, you know, are you going to get those those negative two negative tests on consecutive days? Right? Isn't that right? Yeah, I think that's correct. So, but at the same time, you got to remember what's the most important day for coaches planning it's it's monday evening monday. it's tuesday right. and, and and game prep day so but they can zoom listen that's one thing that happened last year they they did learn that there were some advantages for some of them with zoom 
uh, of being able to communicate and, and do their work and plan. So I, I don't think it's a, that big of a, uh, an abrupt change considering the, what they experienced last year and how, how they had to operate. Mort, tell me your biggest week one takeaways. Uh, I've, I'm, I'm always one of the guys who says, hey, week one is the, is the one week this I put least stock into. Hmm. Uh, in other words, because I just think you spend all offseason, no matter what anybody tells you, yes, they, 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 they prep and they get stuff ready for weeks, games beyond week one. Uh, but week one, everybody wants to get that first one out of the way. But they don't want to be on. They don't. They don't want to be on two. So the best way not to be on two is win that first week. So I think a lot is put into that first game, uh, and you know we all of a sudden we see Pittsburgh Steelers kind of reaching back and saying, okay, we can play the Buffalo Bills this way and win it. Now you know Bills had a ten nothing lead. They squandered away some opportunities. But clearly, the Steelers' defense had a great game plan and executed it uh, as well. Uh, I thought that the uh, – I'm looking down here. You know, oh, Listen, the Arizona Cardinals going in and totally dominating the Tennessee Titans. Now, I know the Titans had a lot of guys who missed camp time. I know that you know that was kind of a thorn for Mike Vrabel, the head coach, that, you know, because he's one of those guys, like I think a lot of coaches and even players who actually believe, yes, you need to practice. You know, it's important uh, to practice. And, and, uh, but the physical domination part of Arizona against Tennessee is what caught me off guard. I mean, I thought that was the most yeah. impressive win uh, uh, of the weekend. Uh, I think that uh, – what, what were some other ones? Let's see. Oh, well, well, listen, we all, we all enjoy the Chiefs and, and Browns. I tell you, and, you know, I use this note on Sundays. You remember, I did find it interesting. You know, like the Chiefs won, uh, and that was despite not playing – Tyron Matthew, yeah, and though even though he was could have played, he, in other words, he he was he was off the COVID nineteen list. But when you talk to him, uh, the Chiefs, it was like, hey, you know, he hasn't practiced for thirteen days. He is he's obviously he keeps himself in good shape. He's young, but we got a lot of considerations here. It's ninety degree plus humid weather. Uh, you know, you your tendency to suffer injuries in that those conditions. No practice, no football conditioning uh, in the previous two weeks. Uh, you know, you could lose him to a four to five week injury or worse, a season long injury. And by the way, this was the most interesting part of it is, And we are quite aware that he is in his contract year, hmm. which tells you about the Chiefs and the relationships they have with their players. Hmm. And so they actually made him inactive uh, for a what we believe the big game. But you know what? There's going to be 17 of these games. 16 was, was a big number. And there's now going to be 17. So Chiefs managed to win even though they didn't have Honey Badger out there on, on defense for them. So that certainly stood out. And then, uh, you know, we, we, we got the usual injuries, uh, as, you, as, as you saw. That's, all, that's an always Sunday-Monday thing. And, by the way, those will pile up even more, I believe, in week two and three. We'll see even more injuries because that's usually when they occur more so, weeks two, three, four, than opening week. If you go back to last year, I think the data and analytics support that those are bigger weeks for bigger injuries. And you talk about the results of this weekend. You know what's going to happen here? You look at this past weekend and some of the teams that lost already that I think people viewed as potential playoff contenders, Dallas, Indianapolis, Washington, Minnesota, Tennessee, Cleveland, Baltimore, Green Bay. Some of these teams are going to wind up losing and going to 0-2. 
I don't know who. Yeah. And I, when they I, I get going too, then the momentum starts going the other way. Then the questions start coming. The criticism starts coming. And it's hard to turn it around. And you know what? When you start 0-2, and a couple of these teams will, some of these teams will, it feels like you're climbing this uphill mountain that you just can't get up all year long just to get back to 500, though there is an extra game this year with the 17th game. Yeah, no, no, th- yeah, there's no question. Listen, I, you talk to coaches. They, they acknowledge that the 0-2 is, is, is stressful. And, 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 and so there's more stress. Uh, on those teams, certainly, but it's the coach's job not to make it, you know, they can't say this is, hey, this is a must win. If it's a must win and you lose it in week two, guess what? You just yeah. lost the whole season. Yeah. So, uh, you know, now listen, I, obviously the Packers uh, showing against the Saints, I want to make a quick comment on that. I always, I, I had the vibe from the Saints and also my own self-awareness that we forget that they won the NFC South last year. And we just assume because they lost Drew Brees and, you know, and, and they weren't at full strength and they were playing the Packers that, you know, that, you know well, and, and the Buccaneers did win the Super Bowl because they, they beat the Saints in, in January in the playoffs. But the Saints truly feel they are a Super Bowl contender. And I want, with all due respect to Drew Brees, I mean, Jameis Winston did, did learn from Drew Brees and he mm-hmm. learned what it was like to be a pro and he learned the old adage of, you know, focus on the decision, not the result, because even throwing a ball away is a good decision with a good result in the situation but the saints defense is very good uh their offensive line and defense the defensive lines are, are are big time they got an experienced coaching staff obviously a great head coach in sean payton and so i i did feel good about them going into the season i think people overlooked them i think that the fact that you know they might even be able to do some things with the offense with Jameis winston they couldn't do with drew because drew you know drew not that he was just old or you said his arm was this Oh, Drew's been hurt the last couple of years. Yeah. And and when you're hurt, you also can't work out the way you normally work out. And Drew has a very strict r- workout regimen or, or had. And so I think that also led to some some of the decline there uh, of, a, of a, you know, no doubt future Hall of Famer and Drew Brees. And more, I want to thank you very much for the time today. I just figured I wanted to get you on just to personally thank you for the 13-year run. Uh, for running with me and running alongside me and, and helping bring me over to ESPN. It's been a great run. I hope we get 13 more doing the same thing. Be a lot of fun if we could do that. I just hope to see you in person sooner than later. Okay. That, that too. That too. If we could All do right. that, that would be welcome. When, when do you think the next time that would be? If you had a guess right now, I'm just thinking. I don't know. Super Bowl. I, I, I might, Super I might Bowl surprise you. I might surprise okay. you. I might bring well, in a negative PCR test to, uh, to your home. <laughs> I would say you're more welcome in my own home than I am right now. Uh, you better turn that. You better cut that part out. <laughs> All right, brother. Thanks. All right, Morty. I'll be in touch. We'll talk this week. Thanks very much for the time today. You got it, bud. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore his seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do big, small, and when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space 
to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Adam today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Adam. All right, Organized Chaos is ESPN's newest podcast hosted by former NFL coach Rex Ryan and his former Jets and Ravens linebacker Bart Scott. The duo will be reunited in this weekly podcast with new episodes every Monday that will provide listeners with expert insight and analysis on everything happening around the league featuring trending stories from on and off the field. That's Organized Chaos. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. And there is my longtime colleague and friend, one of the great employees in ESPN history, Chris Mortensen. And now another great young talent, the free safety of the Carolina Panthers, their second round draft pick from 2020, a man who was a standout at Southern Illinois before the Panthers head coach, Matt Rule, plucked him in the second round of the 2020 draft with the 64th overall pick, a man that came into the NFL and lit up the league as a rookie with one of the best seasons that any rookie could have, had 116 tackles in 15 games, already off to a great start this season. The Panthers' outstanding, young, free safety, Jeremy Chin. Before we get to the win over the Jets and looking ahead to the upcoming matchup against the Saints, we want to address the Honoring Carolina Legends campaign that you've launched, where you are wearing a different jersey, each week of a different Carolina sports legend and then yeah. auctioning off that Jersey. Right. And the proceeds yeah. go to benefit the Carolina area. Why don't you tell us a little bit about this? Yeah. Big shots start off. I'll start off by uh, giving credit to Tony Bonagura. It was his, his idea, you know, each home game I'll wear a Carolina legend, whether they were born, uh, played here collegiately, played here professionally, either North or South Carolina. I'll wear their jersey for every home game, and then um, I'll have them sign that jersey, then I'll sign it, and then have that jersey uh, auctioned off and use the proceeds and donate those to their charity. So, uh, you know, the first preseason game, I wore Muggsy Bogues. Uh, the second preseason game, I wore Julius Peppers. And then uh, last week's game, I wore Steph Curry. That's awesome. How do you get in touch with these people to get them to sign it? Is my first question. How do you come up with who you're choosing how many more guys we got on the docket? I got a lot of questions about this, Jeremy. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, fortunately, my my people and uh, the Panthers have helped me a lot uh, reach out to uh, the these players and and their teams. So uh, they they've helped tremendously, and uh, I'm grateful for both both the connects on that end. And um, so, as far as who I'm wearing in the future, I'm actually I'm actually I don't have each jersey lined up or or each athlete lined up yet. Um, I have a pretty good idea of who I'm going to wear. Uh, but I also want to just take take advice and take suggestions from uh, what I hear from, you know, just out the outside. Who would be the ultimate dream Carolina guest? And I have an idea of where you might go on this. Yeah, if I could, if I could get a Jordan Jordan signed jersey and, and, and meet him, that'd be crazy. 
You've never met him before? I've never met him, nah. And is he a big Panthers fan? Do we know that? Does he follow you guys? I mean, he's in the area, right? I, I, have, I have no idea. I haven't heard anything about it, but, you know, ho- hopefully we can get him on the, on, the, on the Panther train. Can you imagine what that would be like to me, Michael Jordan, Jeremy? I can't. I'd be starstruck. <laughs> you would be, right? Yeah, I would be. You wouldn't be able to talk to him or anything like that? I'd, I'd probably ask him a, a billion questions. Like what? What a process, every, what he does, what he does on the, on the daily now, what he did on the daily then. Just try to nitpick everything I can, and I don't know how long I would get with him, but I try to get as much info as I could. But the day before the Panthers' regular season opening game, you had the chance to FaceTime with Steph Curry, and you wore the Steph Curry jersey for week one. What yeah. was that like, FaceTiming with him? Because he is another legend. Right. No, that, and that's another, you know, future Hall of Famer set in stone. So uh, just talking to him was, was also crazy. You know, I had a short conversation with him, but um, he gave me uh, some credit on what I was doing and the whole Jersey thing. I kind of explained it to him a little bit and what I was trying to do with it. And so uh, I definitely got his stamp of approval. Now, now, where does the money go exactly? Again, just explain that one more time so people have a full understanding if they buy these jerseys about yeah. where it's going. Yeah, each dollar that's um, that's that's spent auction for the jersey, it'll go to these players' individuals' charity. So uh, Steph's his is the Eat Learn Play Foundation. So uh, when that jersey is auctioned off and, and sold, each each dollar from that will will go towards his foundation. And who are we wearing this week, Jeremy, for the Saints game? Uh, I can't tell you yet. <laughs> Come on, I really? I can't. I can't tell you yet. Yeah, it's secret. Yeah, it's 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 uh I'm holding out to uh, till Friday. But it is arranged for you to converse with these guys, interact with these guys before you wear their jersey. They know it's coming, you know it's coming, all that is in the works well in advance. Yeah, so usually usually about um uh, by usually Thursday, I'll have it locked in. You know you need to get you need to get a Sam Mills family member. Hmm. How about that one? A that would, that would, jersey and have his wife sign it. And have that would his, be pretty cool. Yeah. That, I mean, that, that's, that's, that, that's, that's not a bad idea. Put it on the list there, Jeremy. That's yeah. what I'm here Say, for, I'm, right? I'm, I'm taking all ideas. I'm an I'm a open book right now. What is the most interesting idea you've gotten so far? Like, are your teammates pitching ideas to you on this? Uh, I have, a, I have a, an interesting one. So, Coach Rule, he, he played, he played, this isn't a jersey I, I plan on wearing, but he played at Penn State, and he, he wore 98, so I kind of wanted to show up in a, in a 98 Penn State jersey. I wouldn't wear it to a game, though, maybe to the facility or something, maybe a team hotel. But He wore yeah. 98 at Penn State, huh? Yeah. That'd be a so collector's it, item. I, I hope he doesn't watch this because I want it to be a surprise. But Oh, so when are we surprising him? Yeah, uh, I, don't, I don't know what game yet. I don't know yet. That, I haven't decided. And, and I got to make sure you- I can get a jersey. It, did, oh, you called the school. You have you have, you have the Panthers call the Penn State football department. Yeah, the Penn State the, the Penn State football department ships over in ninety eight, and then you bring it into the team meeting or whatever it is. And you know what you do? Just get right, like a yeah. get like a giant jersey, like a really fat XL overweight <laughs> kind of jersey that makes him look a lot heavier than he actually is. This is this is the game worn one. Yeah, <laughs> that would be perfect, wouldn't it? There we go. 
<laughs> that would be very good. Are your teammates aware of the fact that you have launched this initiative, Jeremy? Yeah, some of them, uh, they're, they're starting to pick up on it. I haven't really made it a, a, a big deal in the locker room, but uh, guys are definitely starting to, to pick up on it, and they're asking me a lot of questions. They're starting to ask, all right, who's jersey going to wear this week? So they're getting into it, too. It's pretty cool. So we not, we're not going to reveal which jersey we're wearing this week, but we do have the New Orleans Saints this week. And yes, when, we you, when you watch the tape of them, what stands out to you? Uh, Jameis extending plays and launching the ball deep. You know, he's going to take the shot. Um, you know, there's a lot of times you watch the Packers DBs kind of, you know, stop covering just because they don't think he can make a certain throw. So, uh, but he can, he can, he can launch it and we know that he will. So that's, that's the biggest thing that stands out to me. You know, you talk about him taking off. I remember talking to somebody in the Jets organization last week before they played you guys. And I said, what about the matchup this week? And they said, this may be the fastest defense that we play all year long. We can't believe the speed that Carolina has on defense. And in the first couple of series, Zach Wilson, the Jets rookie quarterback, his head is going to be swimming and spinning because he's not going to believe how fast the NFL game moves. How much speed is there? Is there a way to quantify how fast your defense is? Like, do you realize it? Is there something that tells you how fast you guys are? Give me an indication or an example of what this Jets source was telling me about yeah. last week before we played you guys. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how we, how we quantify it, or, or I don't know if there's, if there's numbers involved there, but I just know our mindset is, you know, we're racing to the ball, and and, and that's we want to be the first one there, um, and if not, we're going to be the the first one to the pile. So that's just our mindset as a defense. We just want to swarm and fly around. Could you tell that it was a little bit unsettling at first for Zach Wilson to go up against the defense as fast as yours last week, Jeremy? Uh, yeah, I mean, that, and that was our game plan. Just keep him, keep him thinking, keep his head spinning as much as possible. And it worked out okay? Yeah, it did. And how would you say your transition has gone so far from the college game to the NFL? Because you came in and made an instant impact. Did you have any idea that you would be able to do that that quickly? Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that was my mindset coming in. Um, you know, I didn't have all the, the answers as far as, uh, the, the huge football IQ coming from a small school, but I, I knew I, I just wasn't going to allow myself to, to get out worked. And I knew if I, if I was going to mess up something, I was going to mess up at a hundred, a hundred miles per hour. Uh, but now coming into this season, I definitely feel like I have the game figured out uh, a lot better than what I did last year. I know there's still a a uh, long ways to go in that department. And that's, that's something I'm going to continue to make strides in every, every week. So uh, I'm excited to just keep on moving forward and taking those steps. And when the call came on draft day last year, and it was mm -hmm. your head coach, Matt rule calling surprise yeah. you at all. Um, that it was, it was surprised me that it was the Panthers calling me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't expect that, but you know, it's, it's been the best thing. So. But he knew you so well, right? Yeah. So they actually they, they saw me a few times throughout the season. Um, I had a meeting with them at the uh, at the Senior Bowl. They came to my pro day, but uh, there was probably a month or a month and a half before draft day where I didn't speak to them at all. So they just kind of left my mind a little bit. Yeah. Where did you think you were going on draft day when it rolled around? Um, I had a lot of conversations with, uh, with Dallas, um, hmm. uh, let me see Chicago, 
uh, before before draft day. And those those were like leading up to draft day. So, you know, as a draft day, you don't really know. Your head is spinning. So you're just like, oh, who did I talk to last? Who did I talk to the most? Who seemed the most interested? So, uh, I mean, as a, as a draft day, you really have no idea, especially when you're out, outside the probably top five, top ten picks. And did you allow yourself the thought of what it would be like to be a Dallas Cowboy, Jeremy? Uh, I didn't, I didn't think too much into it. Uh, just really just being, you know, having the opportunity regardless, you know. And what has been the best part about living in Carolina so far? Uh, the people, I mean, since being here, the, the, the people in the city has really just embraced me. And uh, that kind of ties back into the whole Jersey thing that I really want to do. Um, so just the past year being here, how, how, how much the city and the area has embraced me. Uh, this is kind of my, my way of say, saying thank you and how much I appreciate being here. Did you have much knowledge of that city before you moved there, Jeremy? No, not at all. This is my, this is my first time coming here. First time being in North Carolina at all since uh, when I got drafted. That was my first time. Very nice and very peaceful. You could have been drafted to a lot worse places, Jeremy. <laughs> yeah, I no, most definitely. Right? That worked yeah. out pretty well. It, it worked out perfect. And is there one guy on your team that you look at all the time, practice, and you say, man, this guy is even better than I thought? Uh, yeah, I remember when I, when I first got here, uh, just seeing Christian practice, seeing him run around. And I have people, like old teammates, friends, whatever, they text me, call me all the time, like, hey, it's Christian McCaffrey. Like, is he really like that? Like, is he really that good? I'm like, yeah, you just see him practice. Like, that is legit, it's real. So I try to take everything, um, you know, that I see him doing as far as off the field, what he's eating. I'll just ask him questions like, hey, how, how often do you, like, do you get massages? Does yourself come? How, like, what are you eating? All that type of stuff. So uh, just try to get as much information from, you know, a guy who's at the top of his position in the NFL. And what have you picked up for him, asking him for some of those tips? What has impacted you and altered the way you approach the game? Yeah, some of his um, – just his process. So the way he, he recovers after a game, um, you know, getting his, uh, I guess, central nervous system back level. Uh, things like that, uh, what he does leading up to a game before, uh, before a game week, uh, his massages, how he takes care of his body, uh, what he's eating, how he's lifting, um, you know, how before a game, like every Saturday, he would, you know, get a, a sprint in, like go full speed just to, you know, get his central nervous system back up and ready to go on Sunday. So hmm. uh, certain, certain things like that, I just try to take away from him and and, and see if, if things like that, if I can incorporate them in my process and, and what I do and if it'll work for me or not. I'll make myself feel old to you. I knew Christian McCaffrey when he was a little boy up to my kneecap. And I'm not very tall to begin yeah. with, but he was up to my kneecap as a, a little young boy visiting his dad in training camp in Greeley, yeah. Colorado, coming to see his father, Ed, who played wide receiver for the Denver Broncos. And I was covering the Denver Broncos for a newspaper out in Colorado. So little Christian and his three brothers, they'd be all around the training camp fields all the time when he was a little boy. He was running sprints back then. He just is a little bit faster, <laughs> a little bit stronger, a little yeah. bit bigger right now, Jeremy. Probably looks a little bit different now. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Well, I yeah. appreciate taking some time today. We wish you luck with your initiative. Again, we'll mention it one more time, Honoring Carolina Legends Campaign. If people would like to view some of the auction items, bid on it, where would they go, Jeremy? They would go to thejeremychin.com, uh, view the auction section, and uh, the jerseys are up. So the, the auction will usually be up for about seven days. The uh, Steph Curry one is up right now. It's live, so you guys can bid on that. Hey, Jeremy, appreciate you taking the time today. An honor to get to speak to you. Fan of the way you play the game. Keep up the great work and keep up the great work on and off the field in Carolina. 
Thanks, Adam. I appreciate you, man. And thanks for having me on. And there is the great young safety, and I mean great, Jeremy Chin, who's going to be making a big impact in this league on the field and especially off the field for years to come. Some personal and professional announcements that came along within the past week that I wanted to share. The big news dropping Friday. Very disappointed that the Hollywood Reporter scooped me on it, but that's the way it goes sometimes. Nickelodeon announced a new weekly football highlight show. And I hope ESPN doesn't mind me plugging another network, but that's the way it goes sometimes. NFL Slime Time, which debuts on September 15th, Wednesday, September 15th, where they are launching a new show airing at 7 p.m. Wednesdays with the CBS Mornings anchor and former NFL standout Nate Burleson and Nick star Young Dylan as a co-host and another Young Dylan who's not a rapper but happens to be my daughter, Dylan Schefter, serving as correspondent for the half-hour show that will nickify highlights and game footage and have segments spotlighting youth football, interviews with players, and appearances by other Nickelodeon personalities. And the person who will be doing those interviews, of course, will be my young Dylan, but not the young Dylan, young Dylan Schefter. Young Dylan Schefter did her first interview on Monday, and I found out as I was walking into Allegiant Stadium, I got a text from the Arizona Cardinals communications department, their front office. They texted me as I was walking in that the only thing bigger for Christian Kirk than scoring two touchdowns is being on Nickelodeon's NFL slime time show with Dylan Schechter. Well, as soon as I heard that and saw that, I called that person, Mr. Mark Dalton, and I give him credit here by name. And I said, are they done? He said, no. And we FaceTimed together. And my own daughter, young Dylan, didn't even know that I was spying on her and eavesdropping on her as she was doing her first interview with Christian Kirk, the young Arizona wide receiver who scored two touchdowns. And when I found out she was doing it, in all honesty, I was so much more nervous and anxious than anything I could ever do on television or for ESPN. And now I know what it's like to be the parent of some football player or athlete who's in the stands watching when you can't control anything and you're watching the whole thing unfold in front of your eyes. And I'm watching my young Dylan interview Christian Kirk, the Cardinals wide receiver. And man, it was just nerve wracking. Well, at some point they had to cut me off. I had to go do the NFL live show on the field. Couldn't watch. So I didn't get to see the whole thing. I'll see the whole thing on Wednesday night when it airs on Nickelodeon, but I got did get a text uh, from Mark Dalton after that they were finished. And he wrote, and I quote, such great energy and enthusiasm. Congrats. Texted Christian to thank him. And he said, quote unquote, she's going to be in all capital letters. Great. Well, again, I could care less how Monday Night Countdown went, how our halftime show went. Dylan and Christian Kirk made some television magic on Monday, apparently, that I look forward to seeing Wednesday night. And that meant a lot more than anything else. The other text that I got this past weekend, if I could cite one more than the other, that meant an awful lot to me was we ran on ESPN a feature on Robert Sala, the Jets head coach, talking about his brother and the impact that 9-11 had on he and his family. And for those who missed it, they can watch it on my Twitter account, on my Instagram account, at Adam Schefter. 
but it was a story in which basically Robert Sala's brother started a job in the World Trade Center the day before 9-11. And he started working in the training program for Morgan Stanley and was on the 61st floor uh, when the planes hit. And he went running down the stairs and heard an announcement that everybody should calm down, go back to their offices and resume, which is just chilling to just hear that. And the piece ran this Sunday and Greg Jewell at ESPN and Susan Ansman, and by the way, Greg and Susan deserve all the credit on the piece, finished up the piece that ran during Sunday countdown and got a tremendous amount of feedback in a positive way, which is always very welcome. But the one text that arrived was from a longtime diehard New York Jets fan by the name of Chris Berman, none other than Boomer himself. And when I walked into the viewing room to begin watching the Sunday games, Sunday at 122 Eastern, Chris Berman sent me a text that said, and I read, Shefty, that was as fine a piece and story that I've ever seen. Thank you. Wish my dad was here to see it. And Chris's dad was a huge Jets fan. And Chris is a huge Jets fan. And the fact that somebody, a legend in the TV business, could send me that text, and I hope he doesn't mind me sharing it on the podcast, but it meant that much to me, touched me beyond words. And so that was very meaningful, just like the text from Mark Dalton of the Cardinals front office was meaningful. And so I guess it was a NFL opening weekend of meaningful texts in addition to all the meaningful action on the football field. All right, I want to thank my friend, my partner, Chris Mortensen, for joining the podcast today. I want to thank the great young free safety for the Carolina Panthers, Jeremy Chin. I want to thank my producer today, filling in for Christina Buswell, Dan Stanzik, for putting this together today on short notice. And I want to thank you, the listener, for tuning in to another Adam Schefter podcast. Please join us again next week when we'll look back on week two and look ahead to week three. And until then, have a great week, be well, and stay safe.